Big, Better, Best Books with authors, readers, and other endangered species. I'm your guide, Katerina Valentin. Come and join us. Welcome to Big, Better, Best Books podcast. And today we are talking about a million shades of erotica. And as my guest, I have Georgia Watson, who is an access consciousness facilitator, a horse person, a painter, and also happens to have a secret business as an online dominatrix. So she is actually my expert today. So she will help me explore one of my, you know, one of my hobbies is to read erotic novels. And um, I'd like to know more what it is that actually makes me drawn to them and so excited by them. So this is what Georgia and I will explore during today's podcast and probably a lot more than that. I'd like to start by asking you, you know, just what are the two most sexy words that you know? Yeah, I was thinking about words and, and the sexiness of them. And gosh, it can be all sorts of things. But two words that just popped into my head right now um, would be tongue. And the first thing is, I don't know how to spell tongue. So it always adds that element of mystery to me. <laughs> I love that. Of course, there are all sorts of things you can do with a tongue or have someone, you know, use their tongue, uh, you know, to create all sorts of pleasure. So there's that. Um, and then I would say the second word would be fetish. And that one is mm. naughtier, I would say. But fetishes can be all sorts of things. And it also has that element of mystery. So I think I'm already starting to see a theme with me that if there's that kind of element of, of some kind of like, oh, there's always going to be more, what is that? Then I'm, then I'm interested. <laughs> like the undefined. Yeah. And you know, I have, there are so many things popping up in my head at the same time. <laughs> I forgot half of them. But one of the things that, so I don't watch a lot of erotic movies. I don't watch porn movies. It's not interesting to me to watch it. I actually like reading erotic novels. And it's so funny to me that somehow it's the, it's kind of like you say, it's, it can, it takes form in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> based on what I'm reading. And it's not defined from what I have to watch where it's like, I don't know, I don't know, defined and has a form. And when you're working with your clients or whatever, like we can call them seekers or cli- whatever they are, you're not giving them a, a ready-made picture you're like exploring with them something that they may not actually, and you're right, may not want to desire for real always, but just this. So how, how, how do you view that? What is it that we desire to explore just in our, our fantasy, right? I'm not sure how to explain yeah. it, but does that make sense? What, it does. what is that? Well, with literature and with what we're talking about, you get to have an active role. And I would say watching porn is a much more passive role. You can try to put yourself in that, in somebody's situation or in somebody's scene that they laid out, but it's harder to envision you in in it and having the whole thing around you and you being involved and engaged with it. With literature and with exploring a fantasy with somebody else, you really get to put your take on it. You get to add you in. And and I have heard with porn, and I, I don't have this experience with porn, but I've heard that a lot of people who do enjoy porn do have some kind of a capacity to put themselves in the situation with either, you know, any of the people who are in the in the scene. Um, but I, I'm right. not good at that. 
So I also don't enjoy watching porn because I'm like, why am I seeing this? Like, what does this have to do with me? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> but that's what's so cool about, about pleasure and exploring fantasies is whether it's in visuals, whether it's ideas in your head, whether it's um, erotic fiction, there's so much to explore. And if you can find something where you can almost slide into it and start to become um, the the active creator in it, that's where the magic starts to begin because you get to then start to see what kinds of things do turn you on, what kinds of things um, start to turn your body on. Are those the same? Are those different? And are the fantasies that come up, are, do they pop up? Is there a theme? Are there things in common with the things that turn you on? Or are they totally seemingly random? And can they be different each time? Well, and it's interesting because I would say some of the erotic literature that I read I wouldn't necessarily be turned on by that in real life. And and I find that every time I'm like, should I be ashamed that I'm turned on by this when yeah. I read this? Or or like what 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 is that? What's the is it like that I'm allowing further exploration when I'm only my fan Yeah. I'm sure you've ex- I'm sure you have encountered this in your work too. Yeah, totally. I mean there there have been so many people that I've spoken with that come to a point where they're enjoying something so much and it, it it's there's that lightness of of the pleasure at first and then afterwards they're like wait what did i just do and then certain things start to come in like some guilt or regret or shame or or the the mental masturbation part of wait why did i just look at this or what does this have to do with me or what does this mean about me but what i have found is the more that you can just let it be a fantasy that you can either you know pop in and out of and and not have it mean anything. It's like, I think that mm. the, the part where it gets a little sticky is if you try to find out what it means about you if you enjoyed something. It's like, I just went yeah. skiing this past weekend and I just enjoyed <laughs> it. But like, I wouldn't take a, a day or even five minutes to be like, okay, so now what does that mean about me? Okay, I must be of a certain, you know, socioeconomic status to enjoy skiing. I must be physically fit enough. It's like, I could go into no, those things, but, or what if, but you're yeah. so, cor- yeah. Well, it's even like, if that's so funny. That's a great comparison because it would be like, if I enjoy then, you know, really, I don't, and actually don't really, but if I enjoyed really violent movies or if I enjoyed, that would mean something about, but I don't think that that means something about me just if I enjoyed that, like that wouldn't, right. It wouldn't, I wouldn't think that it would, now I'm suddenly a violent person, but it's just, it's so, so when you work, how do you, how do you invite people to like stretch the borders of that? How do you invite them to kind of embrace their fantasies. Does that make sense? Like, how do you? Well, firstly, I mean, a lot of people come to me in a submissive role, or at least they think they're in that role, or that's the kind of, that's the presumption, I guess. So I'm in some form of an authoritative role or authoritarian role over them. So I get to give them permission. So, you know, like goddess says you must, (laughs) but, but people always still have total control over themselves and total, total choice, total say over what goes. I use my role in their life to give them permission to do the things that they already wanted to do. So they usually come to me with some kind of thing, like I've always wanted to try this, or this is the kind of thing I'm into. And I just don't think I should be doing that. Or I'm not sure if that's okay. So I just kind of ask them, well, what, what if it is okay? You know, what, Yeah. what would you like to explore and try out? And, and then I, 
uh, sometimes command them to do that anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I use that rule to be like, okay, now you have to do this thing, <laughs> which they still have choice in doing. But once they start exploring it, I've, I've had it go both ways. Sometimes people try it out and they're like, oh my gosh, where's this been my whole life? Why did I wait 30 years to try on this pair of pantyhose? You know, or why did I wait so long to play with this? And, and other people have tried something out and gone, wow, you know, that was actually a lot kind of darker and not as fun. And it just didn't really, you know, people have even used the word like nurture. That didn't nurture me as much as I thought it would. That didn't satisfy me. Right. So my take is, how are you going to know if you don't give it a go? And and it, these fantasies sort of take control over you if you try to push them out or try not to do them. Then it's like, oh, this thing has more power than me. If you give it a go and see, then at least you, you know, taste the fruit, see if, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> Oh, that makes so much sense, too, with this other area that I wanted to get into. So, I mean, erotic literature has always existed, like in ancient Greek and in Rome. And, you know, there are very famous books like D.H. Lawrence, Lady Chatterley's Lover and N.A. And But a lot of the later, more modern, they took speed after uh, Fifty Shades mm-hmm. of Grey, which, you know, really started as fan literature based on the Twilight books. That's what she wrote from the beginning. But it is a lot about the submissive and dominating. And usually the man is the dominating and the female, but it it varies a lot. But it's that play with that. And at the same time, if you look at who reads erotic literature, it's 84% women and 16% men. That's still a huge percentage of men. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, I was actually surprised by the number of men that, that read it too. So how would you, like... Because Aninine, that was one of the first erotic uh, novels I ever read because I found it in my parents' bookshelf when I was, I don't know, 14, 15. And I found this book and I was like, <laughs> it's called The Venus Delta. And I was so excited and I bought it and I kept putting it back so they wouldn't see that, oh, yeah. <laughs> that I had taken it, of course, because <laughs> very embarrassing that I had taken it. And I read, there were, there were a lot of books you could find. I can't remember this. It was also something about like a pirate I can't remember the name of that now. That was very erotic. But all of these were like hidden. There was Isla, the, oh, I can't remember the English word. She was like, um, but there were, there were books that I found on my parents' bookshelves that had erotic parts in them. And I used to read them a lot. So, but any nin that came, that was often like woman was the more active subject instead of the traditional, like men uh-huh. look at woman. But if we look at like that whole thing that, that kind of started with Fifty Shades of Grey in more modern time, a lot of that literature is actually free and it exists on, you can find it and you don't have to pay for it a lot of times. You just find it through different online bookstores. They're quite short, they're novels. And it seems like most of them are written by women. And even when men write, they use a women septonym ah. because it gets read more if they're by women. But I was looking at, so... If you looked at that when when they're creating the fantasy together with you, and and what would you say like women writing this does that allow them to? Because I was looking at does that actually allow them to play out the fantasy that they may have, but in the form of writing, and then the meeting with the right like there's something where you're creating something with them. Where I'm looking at all these people writing these novels that they they don't really make money on them that doesn't seem to be the aim the aim is to get to write them (laughs) to get to create somehow so how do you like if for example if you would be writing one what would it be like for you if you wrote an erotic novel have you ever tried ah yes so 
I've written a guide. I haven't published it yet, but I have written a guide uh-huh. for how to be a good boy for me. So that's part of the, the domination thing. And that was a little different than an erotic guide, but, or an uh, erotic fiction, but it was yeah. similar because it needs to inspire and create a sort of seduction in order to even be readable, I guess. Like, so, so there's that. And then I've also written um, shorter things like you've mentioned that are erotic fiction and it's similar to write. It's, it's surprisingly similar to writing other things for me. So adding the element of seduction or pleasure or sex it, it's just another thing to play with, but there are all these energies that kind of come up while you're writing. So if, if someone listening is, is kind of curious about playing with writing erotic fiction, if you've written anything else, a Facebook post, an article, a blog post, you can actually write erotic fiction, whether you use it for you or, or, or post it somewhere anonymously. I would say just get started and, and start typing and just play with some idea that you that you find interesting, but that you don't have some kind of an end result in mind yet. Because what if the the writing of that, like you were saying, Kat, is it must be giving them something. So what could actually a write, uh, writing erotic fiction gift to you that you've never played with before or received before? I wonder. So when you're writing, um, does it ever excite you? Like when you're writing erotic yeah. fiction? Yeah, it does. And my mom was a psychologist and I love playing with the like kind of psychological elements of things. And that's a big part of domination too, is, is getting where mm-hmm. somebody's mind is working from and then kind of taking a, a, a different approach to it so that they don't know where you're coming from, <laughs> but you're still playing with that and including that. So yeah, that, that part really does excite me a lot. I would so love to read the, <laughs> how you be a good boy for me. <laughs> Yeah. I am very, very intrigued by this now. <laughs> so when you, when you wrote that, did you write it as a book that, or did you write it as a guide to pass? Like, what was the aim with that? Yes. So the aim was to write an ebook that I could give to, well, actually sell to my good boys so that they could know what, what approach to take, um, mm. like in, in serving me. I had a target though of getting it done by my birthday and that came and passed. So, so I did a lot up until then and then it sort of like lagged a bit, but, um, but I have a cover and everything. So yeah, so it's, it's in the works and I'm sure it will get, um, you know, picked back up soon, probably after this conversation now that you're reigniting my <laughs> excitement exactly. about it. And the erotic novels, would they be more along those lines too that you've written or how would you, how would you describe them? Um, so the the little erotic fiction stuff that I've written has been um, actually on on my blog. So it's for for the domination business. So it's more to excite people's curiosity about how my fantasies work and how my sexualness is to invite them to my world. And that's part of what is fun about these. I would say like looking into, okay, what, what are people getting out of writing these things? I would say the excitement would be inviting people into your world where you, where they can see the sexualness and and pleasure from a different perspective and also be invited to a scene that you set up. So I would say that the authors even have some element of, um, maybe, maybe it's not all from, from domination, but there is some element of, 
of guiding others or inviting other people mm-hmm. to to something that's already set up that you can be the creator of. Yeah, I think that's what I was looking for, even though I, I didn't express it that well. But yeah, that that there's actually while being an author writing this, you get control over the story. You get to move people around the way you yeah. would like them to move around without even having to do it in real life. You you have the power as an author to create whatever scenarios that excites you or, you know, that that you would like to explore. I was listening to this, um, I was listening to a show about writing erotic literature before, just to, you know, do my research before this show. And, and one of the funniest things the, the writer of erotic novels said is that you should never, you should never, like, if you get excited by your own sex scene, you should not go and masturbate. Yeah. And because then you you basically destroy that and you can't go back then and write it. And, and But yeah. the other problem is if you get too excited when you write it, you actually get, you end it too quickly <laughs> because <laughs> you want to get to the end, you know, because you're writing it, you get more and more excited. So her suggestion was that you finish the whole thing. Yes, you may be writing a little quickly. Don't go away and masturbate until you're done. And then a few, like a day later, you go back and you kind of add some more things to the scene and you mm. explore it a little more because for the reader, the reader may want to kind of enjoy it a little longer right. than you do. It's a very, and, and I just love that the part of there's actually a technique to write a sex yeah. scene. You know, there is a, there's something to think about. So when you work with your clients and when you write, how do you keep it going? Like, how do you kind of keep a scene going, whether it's in real life or when you write? Does mm. that make sense? Like, how do you move it? without having it end too quickly, basically. Oh, yeah. Well, I started out like talking with clients based on this thing where I would be paid by the minute. So that was what I learned from the beginning. Like I could end the scene very quickly if I wanted to, or what can I do to, to kind of like just extend the fun. And also it was, you know, that's how I was being paid. So I did have an incentive to keep things going. And I would say the main thing that I did to keep things going is to not deliver everything that they were looking for right away. So I would ask questions. I would have um, a curiosity about what they were interested in, and I would let them talk to expose certain things that turn them on. But then I wouldn't use those things until I was ready. Well, that's great. And that's even, I think there were, you know, the penny novels, like, I don't remember what they're called, the other pens, I have to find this somewhere but you know when people were writing novels that they were sold kind of by the words they would also drag it out and then they would keep it to the next next issue because they you know they wouldn't resolve the mystery too early because then you know they would lose money so it's very funny but it also it's like real life you know if we keep going it's kind of it does give more pleasure and more joy more nurturing in many cases if you allow it to take its time and it does and it's like a flirtation too I mean a lot of us have had experiences and conversations with somebody where there there's this excitement this build up this flirtation and then all of a sudden it seemed like they almost sort of vomited every all their deep dark (laughs) secrets on you you're like okay I have to go now (laughs) you know it's like So in this past weekend, I was just like, wow, someone was really interested in a person that I was hanging out with. And it started out as sort of a seduction. And I was watching this whole thing going, there was some flirtation going on. And then this person started saying all sorts of things that, you know, you could, I could see she wanted to be accepted and received. 
And that's part of what does not work to attract people and, and keep the flirtation going is, you know, not, you know, don't, don't say everything that you hope that somebody would, <laughs> would not judge you for just to see if they do or not. Like, like to test it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, so, a, and a lot of the mystery and the intrigue is the parts that you keep to yourself. And that's part of like you said, I have the secret business of being an online dominatrix. And it is a bit of a secret. Like I don't go around talking about it very much. And, you know, I get a little uh, shy each time before we talk about something like this where it's attached to my real name, because that's not so normal. But <laughs> um yeah, it's 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 kind of fun to have a little bit of something for yourself. Well, and it it's interesting because even um, I mean, even saying that I enjoy erotic novels in this reality or the way things work here, I mean, it is accepted nowadays. After Fifty Shades of Grape, everybody can kind of say they do it, but there's still there's still weird things attached to it. So I so understand that there are weird things attached to having a secret business as a dominatrix and. What if it didn't have to be? Because you are giving, I mean, what you're providing is something that that these, is it mainly men or is it men and women? I have been open to having women clients from the beginning, but it's been about six years of 100% men. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're providing something that's nurturing and giving them something that they are looking yeah. for. Yeah. And, and even with that, so if you looked at the 16% men and the 84% women, do women have a, um, are they either more shy so that they're not willing to explore it, you think, or, or do they have another capacity for fantasy? Like what, what is it that creates that? Just looking at it, I know you don't have an answer. You haven't studied it. I'm just looking at, what would you say that women do read more books in general, but mm. that difference is less, I think, than between those two. Right. Well, I would say for that 16% of men who were reading that book, my bet is that 80% of those saw themselves as the female character and that mm. probably the 20% wanted to know what was turning on all the women who were watching it so that or reading it so that they could then be that and have all the women after them. <laughs> so they were like, you know, not training, um, researching. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they had a fantasy themselves of actually being you know, the gray, the gray guy. And I actually haven't read those books, but, but that's still my favorite um, erotic fiction because it opened up the conversation of erotic fiction and it opened up the whole conversation about dominance and submission and just sex in general. And one of the most fascinating part about that is that it came, it, it came from nowhere. Like it was one of those self-published books that just kind of spread on its own. I mean, now it has a big publishing company, of course, and everything. But in the beginning, it's, it's really one of those examples of where a, what could you call like a, a desire for something, that, where somebody creates something that actually meets a desire that exists. And therefore, none of the normal promotion or normal channels even were required. Like people, it literally spread word by mouth, um, that yeah. whole book when it came. So there had to have been, if you, you're, you know, it opened up a conversation, but the conversation was also ready to be opened up. Like both of those was. somehow simultaneously occurred. And it is and interesting because it seemed to have opened up not only in literature, but it's now more in movies. It's still taboo in many ways, but it's opening up. So is that something you're noticing in your you know, in your secret business? 
that you're doing? Well, it's always been open in the sort of underground. And I do, if you haven't seen the movie yet, or and all y'all listening to um, The Secretary, that also handles a very similar, it's a movie, and it's about a very similar Mm -hmm. scene. Um, and Maggie Gyll- Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she's, oh, she's yeah, in that Oh, yeah, Jake movie. Gyllenhaal's uh, yes. sister. Yeah. yeah. So she's in that, and it's really beautiful. And the cool thing about that is when I watched that movie, I was turned on by that movie, and immediately I put myself in the position of the dominator. It didn't matter the gender. Like, I enjoyed it from his perspective, which I found really fascinating. And I think one of the things that helped this – whole series take off so dynamically with 50 shades of gray is that people could interact with a with a topic and a dangerous topic that they had never had access to before previous to this book you couldn't ever pick up something like this at walmart and and Mm. see what happens to your own psyche to your body like what like how do you interact with this thing because otherwise it was so underground and the more mainstream it became it's like this uh it, it hit the bell jar or like this bell curve thing of, of it being so accepted and so out there that if you hadn't read it, it's almost like you were behind the times. So mm-hmm. it, it did change things dynamically that way. So um, I was actually going to ask you um, about movies that you find erotic. So the secretary is one of them. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really interesting that like you say, the sexist actually doesn't matter. What matters to you, at least, is the role. Like, whatever role you would find yourself in is what turns you on. Yeah. Is there another movie that you would say has that, whatever that, yeah. like, kind of turns you on or has an element of erotica in it? Yeah, I'm just um, really, really, really bad at <laughs> names of movies. So hopefully you'll remember, because it's got a super, super famous scene where the, it's a... a a very powerful woman and she uh, is doing very naughty things and, <laughs> and just like messing up all the, or like, yeah, yeah. Just fucking with a whole lot of people, but she, she crosses and uncrosses her legs and you can see a bit of her panties. And I think she's even not wearing, Oh, fa- no. Um, well, there's fatal attraction, but I think I maybe think you mean a flash dance. No, I think she's it's in fatal attraction. I'm pretty sure. I think, yeah. Fatal attraction. Well, she's more evil. Flash yeah. dance, she's a very, you know, That's kind funny. person. Yeah. So, yeah. so the evil one I like. <laughs> 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 yeah. Fatal attraction. I Is that what it was? No, it's not with Glenn Close. Was- I'm looking it up on my phone right now. I wish I were better at these. Oh, basic instinct. Brett said it from the other room. Basic instinct. That's exactly like- the one. Perfect. So, okay. So that, and that actually does have, one of the other things when you, when you, you know, kind of explore a little bit about this is people actually like that there's a story too. They don't just want sex scenes, you know, on top of each other. They, they like to have a story and basic instinct has a story that really engages. Like it's a, it's an exciting movie. So it's a thriller, isn't it? I mean, it really gets your like adrenaline already pumping, like what's going to happen. It's got this whole, you know, intrigue. (laughs) Yeah. No, so that's because that so it's actually not just how the um, sex is described. It's what builds to it, like what story. Yeah. Who are you? Like the role. Who are you being? Who are you? You know, seeing yourself as or, and you don't even have to be one of the persons. I think it's kind of like the setting is as exciting as the actual sex part. Um, Absolutely. One of the one of the latest movies that I saw that I really found um, erotic in. It's called The Handmaiden. No, not The Handmaid's Tale. 
and it came out, I think, um, two years ago, like 2016. It got a lot of prices in Cannes, and it's it's about you know it's it's place in I think in um, a few hundred like a few hundred years back, and it's it's quite complex, like all you know, like all. Um, Asian movies are, but it plays with um, less lesbian love. It plays with homosexual love. It mm. it does this like it really. You follow a story one way, and in the middle, it just turns and it becomes this different story. Like you you suddenly realize that you've been watching all this, but actually at this point, you then get to see everything through another set of eyes, wow. and it's extremely erotic. And it also comes with that the story is very intriguing. It's also quite scary. Like it's not a oh. quite violent parts of it. And uh, but I would I would say that is if you would look at erotic as kind of being very alive and pushing the boundaries a little bit. That's one of the movies that that I really like. And and I'm actually not sure if that's. It's, it's based on a novel called Fingersmith by a Welsh writer, it says oh. here. I just looked it up. Okay. And it changed them. It was set in the Victorian era, and then they moved it to Korea, and so under Japanese colonial rule. But anyway, that's a movie that maybe you could watch, and let me know what you get from that one yeah. and see. I think it's on... Um, it's on iTunes. So I think we're going we're gonna to end there. I, where could people find you if they, you know, if they wanted to find out more about you in all kinds of ways? You know, maybe you're, yeah. you, you do all kinds of things like we know. So yeah. how, how, where would they go to find out more about you? Well, I'm on Facebook. You can look up Georgia Watson and, you know, send me, send me a message there. Feel free. And also I have a website um, with my uh, partner, Brett. So brettandgeorgia.com. That's where we have classes and uh, just updates about us. We do classes, Are You Being Dominated and How Not to Be, about the places in your life where you might have a dominating force that isn't actually creating more for you, and how do you begin to dominate and be all of you no matter what situation you're in. So we do classes about that and, and all sorts of um, amazing access consciousness stuff. This really, Those really are the tools that opened up um, me in, in being able to explore all the pleasures and all of the possibilities in the world. So that those, those are the huge gifts that I absolutely love playing with. And I'd recommend going there and, uh, yeah, send me, send me an email or message. That's probably the easiest way. Thank you. And, and thank you so much for coming on and for being willing to explore this with me. Yeah. It's, it's, it takes a lot of vulnerability and, it takes a lot of humor, I think, to yeah. be willing to look at what you're actually, you know, oh, totally. what you're actually doing in this area and what you're exploring. So I'm, I'm so grateful. Thank you, Georgia. Yeah, and thank and you for the cool conversation and just your awesome questions and, and your vulnerability, too. It's really opened up some, a conversation that I, I kind of never thought would happen publicly. And it's just such a huge gift. Like anytime you can really drop any sort of barriers you have and, and just explore something it's just it's such a gift because it gives all of us permission to be to be more of who we really are and to not have to see anything wrong with that because we aren't wrong for what we enjoy and uh even though we've been for the most part told we are <laughs> yeah no thank you so much okay bye for now bye everyone <laughs>